0: Welcome, everybody, to Iditarod Tales from the Trail. I have our special guest this week, Greg Heister from Iditarod Insider, producer at Iditarod Insider. How are you doing, Greg?
1: I'm great, Kristen. It's always good to talk Iditarod, especially in the month of June.
0: Yes, and we have a bunch of things to talk about, um, yeah. how the trail went and um the trip that we actually went together and met with Mushers last week, so we'll, we'll talk about that or a few weeks ago. Um, so let me just ask you real quick how long you've been producing at the Insider or working on I Did a Rod Insider things for I
1: Well, you know, my my first association with Iditarod goes back to 1992 when I was uh, the sports director at KIMO Television in Anchorage. And so we were the official Iditarod station. So for most of the 90s, I got to go the entire way on the trail and we took snow machines and, and had a blast. Danny Siebert. Uh, the you know the former owner of Peninsula Airways was my pilot. We were both young guys then, and we had we had a blast. I got reinvolved with Iditarod in two thousand six, uh, t- to basically just do talent for the Insider. It was uh, in its infancy, and they were trying to you know because we really we had just begun the YouTube world it, that had been going for a few years but I think Iditarod wanted to follow into that genre and uh, start creating video content for the fans of the race and so you know having the association with the race in the 1990s and Stan Hooley was the executive director then and, and he was when the insider started as well and, and those relationships were always still intact Uh, that I got involved doing, uh, just on air work for it at first. And then in 2007, uh, I kind of, um, was handed the reins and kind of oversaw, uh, the production from, from that day forward. So it's been a long time now, Kristen, when, you know, it's, it's amazing how fast these years are going and how many great champions there have been in that time and how many great stories and how the trail has evolved and, the race has evolved and um, it's been one of the great joys of my life really just being associated with this thing and uh, these great people and of course the great dogs and the landscape that we get to travel over every year it's been it's been a love affair really has
0: and you do other things too besides i did a rod You do other sports as
1: well. Yeah, yeah. I'm a play-by-play announcer for college football, basketball, baseball. I've been the the regional television voice of Gonzaga basketball. This was my 20th season. I do a lot of work these days for Pac-12 Network. I've worked for ESPN. I mean, you know, everybody in the past doing those games. I have a fly fishing show called Seasons on the Fly that airs weekly Sunday mornings on Discovery Channel. And I have a fishing lodge out on Iliamna, um, the Quijack River, called seasons on the fly lodge. And there's a few other things I've got going. But those are, you know, the main things that really keep me busy throughout the year and give me great versatility in my lifestyle and stuff. So it's fun.
0: Yeah, we um, keep you busy doing it insider stuff as well, even in the, the off season.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: How yeah. is the trail?
1: Yeah. And and we can talk about that. You yeah, know, that that's that's w- one way that, you know, my career with this uh, thing called Iditarod has evolved and changed, you know, for for many of the years. You know, once in a while there would be a visit in the summertime to a kennel and you get to see these mushers off the trail. But really, I think this is three summers in a row now. There's been a real concerted effort now to try to bring the story of, of not only the mushers, but what the dogs do all summer and in the off season to the world, uh, both just from a, you know, a special interest standpoint, but also, you know, to help try to create, a different narrative than the one that that is out there by people who are anti's and and people who are against the lifestyle and, and the race and all of that. You know what do these do these dogs do all summer? And it, it's been eye opening for me. And to be able to spend time in the summertime with these people away from the race trail, and you get to know them on a different level. I mean, it's it's been spectacular. I, I've always had you know great respect for an Iditarod musher. Um, but, you know, you see them as people uh, in the off season and oftentimes their families are around. They, for many of them, they live the great Alaskan summers and their dogs are still very much a part of their daily existence. And we just get a little porthole, you know, a view into it in the month of March for 10 or 14 days to watch these teams and, and uh, the mushers and their dogs go across this, the great state of Alaska. But really, it's so little. Of their life together, and this lifestyle that we uh, have become so enamored by. So I've loved the insider production. I think it's or the Insider 2.0 production. I think it's important as this race evolves and goes forward to start producing content that may have impact on the narrative. But from a personal level, it's also been a great opportunity for me to go to these people's homes and spend times with them and, and see, see them with their family and their interactions with their dogs and stuff away from the, the race trail. It's been pretty cool.
0: Yeah, we uh, went out to go visit. I was actually able to come with you to visit the mushers this trip. And, yeah. um, I took photos, you know, some more behind the scenes to let people know, show people we're f- out filming right now and, um, yeah. people can get excited about, uh, subscribing in July, uh, because you're going to start putting new content up. Yeah. And, um, w- really one thing that is really neat to see is the young people that are still interested in living, you know, like this lifestyle that isn't I don't know if you'd say super glamorous but it's a hard it's hard right it's a hard working lifestyle (laughs) like no lazy people no lazy young people here because they're up uh early and they have um way extra like uh mouths to feed right and every day and take care of and uh
1: (laughs) I know, no, it's uh, like
0: no time for video game, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's very much like dairy farming. You know, when you grow up in a dairy farm and, and it's a family operation and you have sons and daughters, I mean, it's very much expected that, you know, it's going to be handed down and that's what your, your life is going to be seven days a week from sunrise to sunset. You're going to be taking care of, you know, animals. And I, I think being a musher is very similar to that. And so you know this event right now is very ripe with a really great stock of up and coming young serious lifestyle mushers and uh it's it's great to see i i think it's kind of the you know the lifeblood of the community is to make sure that there are young people that are still interested and still wanting and and desiring to to do this and, and to be a part of it and to keep the genetics of the dogs moving forward and, and to keep, you know, the dream of living in the North country with a team of dogs alive. And, uh, I find it, I still to this day. I, I think that's what attracts me most to this event. You know, most people are really enamored with the dogs and, and they're phenomenal. And, you know, the, the landscape is amazing. And, and, where, where they get to travel and camp with their dogs is you know, I mean, books are written about that stuff. But I think it's it's the nature of these people that, for me, keep me coming back year in, year out, well over 20 years now. I find them extremely interesting because for many of them, they're educated, they've got degrees. Uh, at the very least, they're the hardest-working people you've been around. So if they were, you know, out chasing the society's view of america's dream many of them would be successful in and creating their own economies in another way and probably living pretty comfortably but yet they've chosen a, a lifestyle that you know it, you kind of wobble On poverty and some people fall into it and they would rather feed their dogs, take care of their dogs than themselves in some cases. So it's, it's highly interesting. They're extremely committed people. And then Kristen, you and I were there at at Riley Dyke's uh, kennel and, you know, we're going to start doing more content about this. I, I just find it interesting. Riley had just brought a dog home that day uh from the pound a, a type of spaniel it was either uh, i can't remember exactly a britney yeah, spaniel or a, or yeah. a springer spaniel beautiful dog and he's got 40 dogs right there in his kennel and yet he yeah. was you know attracted to this other dog and wanted to make sure that this dog thought it was special was brought home and and uh was going to live a, give, a good life, and it was given a home. And so we were there, you know, I, I don't know, maybe an hour after Riley or two hours after Riley had brought it home, and, and the dog was brand new there. So, you know, these these people are unique, and, um, you know, they love, I mean, absolutely love their lifestyles, but, you know, at the core of all of that are these creatures on four legs and tails and, and that, um, you know, the world is in love with.
0: It was interesting seeing the dynamic of each, you know, different kennel. And a lot of them had, you know, their, um, their retired dog that just kind of, you know, walks around and, and keeps eyes, you know, his eyes on things, yeah. you know, being the, the, the dog of the house now. <laughs> um, and then uh, some of them had, you're right, they had their own like separate like pet type dogs, not you the know. running dogs. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, Ryan had the really pretty uh, wired hair dogs and yeah. I can't remember what exactly it was. I don't know if you remember the I, name Because I'd never yeah. heard of the
1: dog but they were, they were hunting dogs and they had yeah. wired hair. Water dogs, were, yeah. Yeah, beautiful.
0: Like true hunting water dogs. dogs. They yeah. were And she had
1: reindeer. yeah. <laughs> which was you know which was great and that story's coming we we talked to her about her reindeer and shot a bunch of footage and you shot pictures of of ryan olson's uh reindeer living up outside of uh fairbanks there and uh not far from the two rivers or maybe she actually is in the two rivers area and uh she you know she's got a small tour business and she uses the reindeer as as part of her her tour so and she like to, to hear her ooze about reindeer, like, a, like, you know, they make good sausage to me. To Ryan, uh, they're, they're on a whole different level. So, uh, that was interesting. And that's what I mean. You know, when we can get these people away from the race course and the Iditarod trail, you learn so much more about them. Uh, and you, you know, you get to meet their families and, and obviously these other animals and, and other dogs that are around their kennels. And then Kristen, like, you know, you, you know, just, some of the just unbelievable places that they live. Um, you know, when you think about Paige Drovney and Cody Straith's place way out the Denali Highway, and they have a great piece of property there and, and bought an old hunting lodge from the 1950s, and they've built a couple of structures there now. They're surrounded by the Alaska Range. You know, the road is closed in the wintertime, like there's no, they don't plow the roads and so the only way in is by snow machine or dog team. And, uh, and they've chosen to live way out there in just an absolutely beautiful place and, uh, they're disconnected from the outside world. So, and we got to, was it uh, Paige's nephew I think that was there from, from Malibu I forget his name Tom Tom maybe Tim Tim I can't remember oh
0: man I don't remember yeah. but yeah her nephew young yeah. in person very yeah, young, yeah, young yeah. kid. <laughs> yeah he
1: was loving it though you could tell us he was all lit up so uh, that's the best part about uh, you know that this gig in in the off season is just traveling around and seeing everybody and, and you know seeing how it is that they're putting all of this together and they've all got their own plan because it is so expensive and uh and for a lot of them they're figuring it out
0: Code, yeah, Paige was getting a new young person into sled dogs and and that's and he loved it. it was really yeah. neat to see you know yeah. somebody who wasn't really from Alaska or you know
1: yeah. Yeah, anything. from the city,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we so we went to. A bunch of we were just traveling. So I think we did like five hundred miles, you said, in one day. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think at the end of the day, I think the I think it put me up around eighteen or you know, nineteen hundred miles in the truck that was rented <laughs> for the entire trip. You know, we went way out to see Brent Sass, which is always a blast. I've been out there four or five times now. And uh and your first time there and, and you know, so many puppies. Brent had a bench a bunch of puppies and You know, and uh, he's a serious guy and a fun-loving guy and uh, just a you know a great competitor. And I think eventually he's going to win the Iditarod. And uh, he's always great to, to to be around, Kristen, because you know this is a guy living off the grid. I mean, the generator breaks down, the water pump breaks down. He's constantly working on things just to keep his operation going. And you know we had to go let's see so way out the elliot highway before you get to Manly, you turn right and i think i don't know we went 5 or 8 miles up onto this dirt road across a couple of creeks and uh, an old mining you know road that's kind of grown in and you know susan butcher used to tra- used to train out of there rick swenson used to train out of there back in their their heydays. and so you know there's there's ghosts living in the hills of I did a rod past and and now Brent is up in there he's been there i think 8 or 9 years now he he said and uh, it's always cool to go in there because he's way way out you know in the middle of nowhere like but the lawn is mowed and uh, <laughs> and, I, and he's got a little pond yeah. down at the bottom of the hill and the dogs can swim so uh, he's he's completely got it figured out
0: the fur the furthest place to go but i think probably the most rewarding because it's like a big oasis in the middle of yeah. nowhere really it's kind of yeah. cool uh, to travel that far a-, a few hours to get out there and um but that so that that one's going to be an interesting video to watch so i can't wait to watch that one really all of them
1: yeah. every
0: measure we saw had you know there's just so much interesting things um going on really with everybody so
1: yeah no and how many puppies did we see i It just seemed like most everybody had a brand new litter yeah somebody's was the a day old was that the dieters house that their puppies oh, were a day old or one good. of them was yeah or maybe it was was it ryan's yeah. no i think it was at ryan olson's house weren't those puppies a day old
0: Maybe those, yeah, those, yeah. it was Ryan's. Yeah, it yeah. was hers. And then Matt, Matt Hall had all white puppies. Yeah, they, 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 l- almost l- they looked look like, like a l-
1: <laughs> Yeah, the little polar bears in his arms. Yeah, yeah it's all pretty cool. All white
0: dogs. Yeah. Was, so, yeah. So people, and,
1: people are going to go crazy over that. when they. And I know you've already sent out some photographs and stuff like that, but the footage of those little tiny puppies running around, people are going to go crazy about it.
0: Yeah, I hope you got a lot of puppy
1: Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Puppies
1: sell. Puppies sell, Kristen.
0: Yes. We had a lot of eyeballs on those pictures uh, that I put up on our social media. So (laughs) puppies. And Jeff King had some puppies. Yes, he did. Bigger puppies, but he still had puppies.
1: (laughs) And always good to stop in and see Jeff, you know, and check on his health and. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to run the Iditarod uh, this year for the 50th year, but I know he'll have a, at least a team in the race. And always good to to stop in and see him. You know, in my early days of the race, Jeff and uh, the people of that era were really the ones that uh, created the love that I have for this. And and telling their story and and watching them work and their commitment to their dogs and the lifestyle is really what just kind of you know sunk the nails in for me and so i always have great respect i always love stopping in and talking with jeff he's so knowledgeable i've learned so much over the years about the event uh but he's got a a young musher it was amanda um, amanda otto if i remember her name her first name right and she'll be uh running one of his teams to Nome this year and her her grandfather is Jim Otto, and if you're a fan of the National Football League, he's a Hall of Famer. He used to play for the Oakland Raiders, so uh, kind of a cool story there, and, and Amanda seemed pretty serious about it, so love seeing Jeff always do and the one of the great things about Jeff is that he lives in Denali Park so you get to go there which means I usually stop and spend a night with Bruce Lee and see my buddy uh from from the Iditarod trail and stuff so I get to visit with old friends I didn't see Mark Nordman this time or we didn't see him uh but he lives in the in the Denali Park area as well
0: Yeah and Amanda another you know young young person <laughs> Yeah. interested in, yes. uh, the, the dog life up here yeah. in Alaska. So I know. Uh, yeah. and when cool. we we're there, yeah, I know. It's very interesting. It's, it's still, um, a lifestyle that young people are interested in. Um, and Mike, we went Mike right at Denali. Um, well the wilderness, uh, headquarters oh, and, there in Denali. Yes. Was it Mike? His name, I'm sorry, I don't remember his last name.
1: Yeah, just give me.
0: Having to look up again. But that was very interesting. The actual working dogs um, who patrol with the um, Park Service, correct?
1: Yeah, National Park Service. And they've had a kennel uh, it, since the 1800s, if I no, 1923. Oh boy. I'm looking like a goofy guy here, but trust <laughs> me when I tell this story, I'll get all the, I'll it's get all, all the information. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it'll all be, be nailed down, but I've actually been there before, you know, when we did the, uh, dog care documentary, this, I don't know, this was probably 10 years ago. Now, uh, we stopped in there and somebody else was running, uh, you know, the uh, National Park Service's kennel at the time. But it's an interesting story, and it's been around for a long time. The Iditarod was instrumental in 1973 because even the Park Service was thinking that maybe we need to, you know, move away from the kennel and go, you know, use some snow machines and, and snow cats and things like that. But when they saw what the dogs did in 1973, making it all the way to – uh to know him, I think it it kind of reversed that decision, and so that kennel I think it is nineteen twenty one or nineteen twenty three has been around since then, and uh it's a really cool, cool story and uh and it's it, the my favorite part about it, Kristen, is that you know every one of the dogs in the kennel is a park ranger,
0: yes you know
1: yes. yeah so They're-
0: Actual yeah. rangers, they're doing their jobs, and I—I I just looked it up. It's David. Sorry, David. David. Yeah,
1: I was gonna guess that, but yes. I was, yeah, David. So, uh, yeah, we we talked with him for a long time, and and we spent some time with all the dogs, and uh, it's a really it's a really cool story, and you know, and it I, I think it's uh, much like the race. It's a connection, and it's an it's an opportunity to never forget uh, how important dogs were to the state of Alaska and you know before it was rough and ready and there weren't roads and you couldn't fly everywhere and and things like that a dog team was very much a part of building the state of Alaska and it's woven in in the tradition and the heritage of that state you know uh so it's important that things like the park service and they I think they're going yeah so it's their 100 year anniversary so uh this in 2022 so obviously it was 1922 i think when When their kennel started. And so, and the 50th year of the Iditarod. So, there's great synergy with that. And and maybe there could be some partnerships moving forward next year. It would be cool.
0: Yeah. And David was so committed. You know, he is so committed to the sled dog. It was just interesting listening to him. And I think you said it while we were there that he was like just born to have that job, right? Born for that job. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, it
0: was just the right place for him. It was really cool uh, listening to him talk about the whole history. Like he knew everything about it. It was really cool.
1: Yeah. And he was a a musher himself and was a part of Bruce Lee's kennel back in 1989 when Bruce won the Yukon quest. Uh, And so uh, no, it wasn't 89 when Bruce, whenever Bruce 98, whenever it was when he won the Yukon quest. And so he was Uh, one of Bruce's handlers or his key handlers. So uh, he's been around dogs and and mushing his entire adult life and his family as well. So he seems like the perfect guy to be heading that up in the park service. And you're right. He did, he did call it his dream job and his dream gig. So it's pretty nice.
0: Yeah. Very cool. That was super fun. Um, Who else did we go see? We went to go see Joanna Jagau. Yeah. Also.
1: Yep yeah. and uh a young lady that grew up uh on a trap line with with her dad on the Porcupine River out you know way out from Fairbanks and so uh she's tough and she's a, a some sort of pediatric nurse if if I remember right and so she's got a career and a full-time job but yet you know she's got her dog team and her dogs in her in her backyard and has time somehow to to get all that done and ran her first race this past year and Hopes to run it again, but we'll see. The the best part about her story, I remember going there last summer and talking to her and and I asked her, you know, you you live in Fairbanks, why are you running the Iditarod and not pursuing the Yukon quest? And she said she wasn't really ready for uh a thousand miles in the cold, uh making the point that the quest is usually a colder race than the Iditarod, and then she got out on the Iditarod and it was, you know, sixty below zero. So it's one of those things where you yeah. gotta be careful. <laughs>
0: What you asked for, it. yeah,
1: yeah. So that was good, but um, I think all in all, there were like you know, fifteen people on this on this trip. Um, you know, still, Jeff uh, Dieter, Katie, yep. Joe Dieter. We stopped in and saw them. Yeah, and uh, boy, they've got a great operation, and they're really serious and organized, and and I think they've got a good business going that will ensure their participation, uh, not only in the event but the lifestyle for for decades to come. So I'm happy for them. And, uh, Milis, Mila, Porcel, I stopped, uh, on the way out and, and came down and saw her. And, um, the, the other thing, the other guy that I'm, I'm interested to get to know better and to spend more time with was, uh, I stopped in at the university of Fairbanks and talked with Arlie Reynolds for a long time. And Arlie is, is, uh, uh, an expert on nutrition and uh, the genetics of sled dogs, former sprint dog champion, won the North America and also the fur rendezvous. And, and he's really a legend. And that was great because a lot of the, you know, the serious mushers have talked about Arlie Reynolds over the years to me, but I had never met him and, and had always wondered. So it was great to, to go to his office and spend an hour with him. So that interview's coming. We talked about a lot of different things with Arlie. And uh, I think that, that we're going to use him even more going forward to produce some of this content that I've talked about to change the narrative because he certainly has a lot of the genetic and nutritional answers to what some people contend about the race and, and whether it's good or bad. So I love that. I mean, that, that was, that was fantastic. And, um, and so I, I think it's a wide variety. We'll be back up there again too, Kristen before the end of the summer, you know, getting the next round of of uh, stories and and checking in with people. You and I drove into Jesse Holmes's place, uh, and he's also out the Denali Highway, but he he wasn't he wasn't there, so we missed him. But we tried to get him, and uh, I think it was a great trip. Great trip.
0: Yeah, um, I wasn't able to hit uh, get to Mila's place. Did you yeah. get to see uh, more measures after? Milla?
1: Yeah, well, no, Milla, let's see, Milla was, was Milla the last one? I'm trying to think. I think there was, oh, boy.
0: That was after all of our running yeah. around the interior and then trying to head back. and then. Yeah,
1: let me go um, down my phone and- list here. It'll <laughs> always, yeah, it'll, but it it'll was reveal a, Yeah. Oh, oh, I went to um to Dallas Seabee's place and caught up with Chad Stoddard.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah, so he, I um I spent some time with him. You know, Dallas we interview so much so I didn't really go off searching for him. He was probably there somewhere, but we'll get Dallas here soon. I I want to give him some time to breathe. He he's got a lot going on in his life and he's trying to to build a lot of things, but uh you know, of course he's got that great sled dog tour operation out of Talkeetna and and that was the good thing to hear too. Kristen on these trips is that those who do have tour operations that we talk to, it seems like the effects of COVID are starting to minimize in their world as far as their, their own personal economies yeah, go. Right. You know, people yeah. are starting to come back and people are, are starting to visit their kennels again. And, and, um, and so, you know, that's, that's always good. And, and it's a community that obviously, uh, you know, it's a pandemic and so it, it affects all of us. But um, you know, when your life and your uh, your means are connected to tourism, and tourism is absolutely slammed down, it's uh, it's hard to make a go of it. So that was good to see. It was refreshing. It seemed like everybody was upbeat that we talked to and feeling good about things.
0: Yeah, even the um, even the headquarters, I did ride. Headquarters is picking up. You know, yeah. we have, yeah, because we have um, the Reddingtons out there and, yeah. uh, and, and they're getting, we're getting people who coming in to do the tours and checking everything out. Re-
1: so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. picking
0: up. It's picking yeah, up for everybody, I think. so well, that's good.
1: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I mean, it, it had to happen. It was a hard year and, you know, and, um, and, and I think, you know, not to get political at all, but, you know, the, the that's what you know, the vaccinations are, are in place to help us get back to, you know, living our lives. And so, uh, you know, for those who've been vaccinated, I think that should be happening. And so, yeah, I, I think it's good, you know, um, but I can't wait, you know, to, to continue and to get back up there and, and to see even more, uh, you know, we tried to get a hold of, uh, Matthew Failer, uh, and I missed Wade Mars. We'll get him on the next trip. But Matthew was actually out in Bethel or, or Antioch, I guess uh, Richie deals uh bachelor party I'm, I'm hearing about. And, uh, and so he and Pete what? and yeah, there were a few others, Colin McDonald, if you know him, they're all out there celebrating and they went up a one of the rivers up uh, out of there and, and were camped out and, and had a blast, and I got upset with Matthew. I'm like, "Hey, look! Next time, you got to tell us about that stuff I because know. that's that's really good content. That is like we we would totally come yeah. out there for that.
0: They could have their <laughs> own like video.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. So so Pretty we sick. we missed out on that story, Kristen, but uh, we'll make sure. So I'll I'll hit Matthew too next time we're up there. I know he's had some health issues of his own in the last few months, so sounds like he's doing better and uh we're happy about that and healing and and getting his life back so that's good.
0: well, I think everyone will be happy to get the trail back. That's normal yeah. everyone's waiting for that How yeah. was this year? I think we're gonna get into that, but yeah. um different for for your whole team to just kind of do the loop. maybe it was a little easier not to have a, have to travel as far and have to go uh, figure things out as far as uh, plane rides and whatnot. Maybe it was easier, maybe it wasn't.
1: Yeah, you know, lo- logistically, I think it was certainly easier, uh, other than the fact that, you know, one of the greatest hurdles every year for us is the Alaska Range. Getting from Finger Rainy to Roan Nikolai is oftentimes uh, – the hardest part because weather can shut that pass down and really, uh, put a wrench in our plans and, and how to get around and, and how to do all that stuff. So we had to go over it and then, you know, wish and hope for good weather coming back. So it, it that all worked out great for us this year. You know, we've had years, where we've been stuck on one side of the range for three days. So, uh, that all worked out good. You know, and I, I think that, Whenever you talk about last year's race, you've got to always start uh, with something about perspective, right? That at least we were out there. And we got to go out, get these teams out on the trail, travel almost a 1,000 miles, and, and crown a champion. And so uh, in the eyes of a pandemic, I think it was a miracle and a great job done by you know Rob and Chaz and Mark and Jody Guess and Joe and 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 the entire volunteer staff and and yourself and everybody who uh, had anything to do to, you know with getting that race on it was great. It's always got to start there. I just hope we don't ever do the loop again. so you
0: don't want to do the loop again?
1: <laughs> no, I I love you know I yeah, love the Yukon River and the Bering Sea coast. You know, I to me. That's the, the great separator in this event. Um, going over mountains is great, but we have other races that do that. Uh, but it's the Yukon River and the Bering Sea Coast that will, you know, I, I remember a long time ago, nineteen, right around 1996, and I didn't know Bruce Lee well at all, and he was still in the height of his mushing career. And I remember going to his place in Denali Park, And we were in an era when uh, the trail wasn't getting much snow, and it was rock hard, and wasn't very difficult. And I remember going up to his place, and it was one of those heavy, wet snow days. And Bruce, very eloquently during an interview, said that, you know, the Iditarod is still about a versatile dog. That there will come a day when the race will come back to a day like this where it's snowing, hard and it's wet. And he says, look, an Iditarod dog is a dog that can climb mountains, that can run through overflow, that can can break a trail, that can put its head down into a 30 mile an hour wind on the, the Bering Sea coast and will not let up and will continue to go. And so for my entire career storytelling around this event, that is the image of an Iditarod dog to me is one with great versatility. And so, the Iditarod Trail that starts on rivers, goes over Alaska's greatest mountain range, through the cold of the interior, down the Yukon River for nearly 200 miles, and then ends with the Bering Sea, tells me that the greatest all-around sled dogs are the ones that are competing, truly competing in this trail. So, when you go out to Iditarod, turn around and come back, I'm not sure we saw, you know, we didn't see everything that these dogs can handle if that if that makes sense at all and so right. i can paint the picture about okay it's still the greatest competition uh it's still the iditarod there's still a, a start line and a finish line and and i can paint that picture and and make it all work but at the end of the day the image of those dogs getting to that burled arch are about everything that these dogs can do from overflow to blizzards to really cold to climbing mountains to wind. And the, t- the dogs that get to that finish line are truly, truly special when they're there in Nome. So, uh, that's all. Uh, other than that, I was tickled. The team was tickled. Uh, we, we got out there and we told another story. We did the best we could. We had some real, you know, it was a Truly wilderness experience this year, not being able to get gear in anywhere at any point in time to get it warm made it very difficult. Those nights in, in OFER, I did a rod and then Ophir again when it, when it got to be 50, 55, nearly 60 below zero, you know, a lot of our stuff froze up and we couldn't, we couldn't get it to operate. And we had to wait until, uh, the next day, you know, when things did warm up, uh, to get it to function. We couldn't get it into a building, uh, and do that. So it gave us uh you know a lot of different hurdles to to handle but again it's um it's expressed with gratitude that we we're able to go.
0: So the the documentary is finished I yes. hear. Yes, yes, it's good to go. We're just yeah. kind of, you know, getting it produ or uh in production. <laughs> yeah. <film>. It's,
1: <laughs> it's in Iditarod's hands and I think it's at the duplicator so I'm hoping any day now uh, it'll be out there, it's uh, it's about two hours and fifteen minutes long. Jordan Kasky uh, did a lot of the editing on it, and uh, I think it's pretty good. It's you know, I did around forty nine, the Gold Loop Trail, and obviously it's it's Dallas's fifth championship, tying Rick Swenson, and we talk about COVID in it, and I think the team did a great a great job this year, kind of capturing the story. So, uh, you know, the documentaries are are really important to me. Uh, because, you know, they're the only thing let, once these races are over and they fly off into the air, never to be seen again, the stats and the numbers live on in, in a media guide or on a website, but the stories of the race disappear into time. I mean, I, I wish that we would have had these documentaries from 1973 on because so many different things happen in every race that can't be told certainly or just by looking at numbers. And so uh these documentaries are really, really important to me. And uh you know the fact that they can live in the community for generations to come, uh, I think is an important service, I think, to the community and and to these mushers, so that, you know, their stories and again, we can't get everybody's stories because it is a thousand miles and most years it's 60 teams and and it's just, it's very difficult to get everything. But um, we try to get, you know, everything that we can. We try to make sure that everybody is represented in, in every one of these documentaries. It doesn't always happen, but I think most years we get pretty darn close. And um, so it's, it's um, I, I kind of view it as, you know, something that we get to give as the insider, we get to give back to the community even though it costs money and and, and you got to pay for it and things like that, it is a, a piece of history and um, that we get to give back to the community and, and can live on someone's bookshelves and they can tell their grandkids about it someday and pull that thing out or download the file and, and, and watch it again. So it's an important part of what we do. And, um, you know, I've put a lot of care and, uh, it's an intense process because, you know, I get done with the race. You haven't slept for a couple of weeks. It's been really intense. And then, you know, things get really difficult because, you know, I'll, myself and, and the last couple of years, Jordan Kasky will work on that thing every day for another six weeks, you know, and to turn our two hour and 15 minute piece around in six weeks is, is really humping it. So but we just want it out in a timely fashion and and uh so I hope everybody enjoys it. That's always important to me. I, I hope that uh you know we get all the stories right and uh and you know, it's it's and especially this year, Kristen with COVID and everything, like it's an important year and Dallas winning winning his fifth race. I mean when you think about how many mushers couldn't get past number four and he breaks through this year to to Tyrick Swenson, I mean this was a big, big race. And so um, it's an important documentary to me.
0: And shout out to your crew that was definitely out there. Everybody on the crew, yes, doing some video. And um, I didn't get to – I don't think I got to meet everybody, but I definitely saw a bunch of them at the – start and the finish and and all that so yeah
1: I, I owe them so much Kristen you know they all work well below industry standards they're all out there working in some case 20 to 22 hours a day like literally uh we don't have a hotel we we don't oftentimes have food you know um some of the communities, and obviously not this year, but in years past, you know, we'll we'll end up in a community, and there might be some moose stew or caribou stew that we get to to eat on and great. And and Iditarod does provide some food out there, but you know, we're we're moving around so much, and so the conditions aren't great for these guys. They're extremely committed. You know, a guy like Kevin Bodie, uh, he's been doing this with me, I think, since '07 or '08. Phil Townsend has been driving a snow machine for us now for well over a decade and, uh, you know, it's a, it, it's a really, really experienced crew. We don't have any rookies anymore. These are all guys that keep coming back and, uh, and, you know, we're flying around in little airplanes in the Arctic and it may sound adventurous, but it's, you know, it's dangerous. So I, I, um, I, I have a, a great, sense of gratitude and I'm indebted to these guys because, you know, I have a silly love for this thing and, uh, it's, it's been all encompassing at, at times in my life. And, and I kind of have the expectation that they love it as much as I do. And I think that some of them do. And so, uh, I'm grateful to them because they keep coming back and, uh, they have all the relationships now with the mushers that make it even easier and we get better stories and, I just can count on all of them. So, uh, I'm truly grateful. And I, I pointed out a few. There's so many of them. I mean, Sasha Groh's been one of our snow machine guys for a long time. Jordan Kasky has done, I want to say four or five races. Josh Godfrey's been there in the past. Ken Fankhauser, uh, yeah, uh, Ian Planchins. you know, Art Aldrich has, has offered a lot of the, uh, you know, the tech support over the years, Tom Chartrand's been there now for a long time. So there's a lot, and I'm, I probably shouldn't even have gone down the list because I know I'm forgetting somebody. And then, of course, my partner in crime, Bruce Lee, uh, he's been a, an important part of it as well. And I, 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 I'd i be hard-pressed to, you know, I would never want to do it without him. So uh, it's been great.
0: Yes, thanks to everybody. Yeah. And yourself, Greg. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm the, the lucky way. one, you know, I I get to go out and do it. And, uh, you know, I, I do, Kristen, like, you know, it, it's funny. It's funny because these mushers love their dogs and they love their lifestyle. And you can tell because they've committed everything in their lives to it. And I love it, too. It's just different. I, I don't, you know, early in my career, I was like, yeah, I've got to run the Iditarod. Uh, and then the more years I was around it, I was like, well, no, 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 no. The, the people that I really love are the people that are in the lifestyle. They're the ones that are up at five o'clock every morning, scooping poop and walking dogs and watering them and living with them. And I know, like, I was never going to be that. Like, you know, I, I could do it for a year, go say I did the race, but that's not what I, I ever, it's not what I fell in love with with the Iditarod. It it was always these people that were so totally committed to it. And so I fell in love with it in a different way. And I've spent my life just trying to tell the story and to help try to create a financial foundation that allows the event to go forward. And, you know, I have respect for some of these people, like few people that I've ever known in my life. And, And I'm around, you know, a lot of athletes and you know, college football and basketball and baseball players. And, you know, I, I put these people right up there with them. You know, the best of the best there is professional and as committed to their craft and their sport as as any of those people. And so uh, kudos to them. And, and I've been the lucky one for all these years that's been uh, able to be there, you know, front and center and to tell the story. So.
0: And we are looking forward to all of the new content you just filmed la- yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, and so, subscription wise, so insider subscription, I'm just going to talk a little bit about this because so people know where to find all of this cool stuff that you've yeah. done for ha- like years and years, yeah. right? Decades, yeah. basically. I'm getting old.
1: I'm getting old. <laughs>
0: but young at heart.
1: Yeah, I hope
0: (laughs) so. I sure hope so. You got to have the energy to do all this stuff. You for sure have it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but all the content is on ididrod.com. So um, you sign up for an Ididrod Insider subscription. There's many different levels, but I mean, if you want everything and you want to see the documentaries, especially from past years and when did those start again? Oh, Eight. oh6 yeah oh, six. no oh okay.
1: six yeah that very first year we produced one
0: so there's um all of the all of the documentaries from since 06 on and then this new one will be up pretty soon and we'll we'll let everybody know when the new one is out and ready uh to watch yeah. so it's you you want to get the really people need to get the insider um plus subscription because it comes with the documentaries and they're downloadable and you can watch them. You can just stream them. You can download them. Um, it's really cool. And you can go through all of uh, this year's, you know, all the way back to, you know, however, whenever it started, the video is on our website, uh, ready to stream. I mean, it's hours and hours of, of content, yeah. Uh yeah, and of course the new Insider 2.0 video stuff which is all the summer stuff. I guess you would say mostly summer stuff. Um, yeah, well off, off season and right? off the trail off the trail stuff. Off-season yeah, I guess stuff. not always yeah. summer stuff, maybe some
1: Yeah. Uh pre but There's there's place. a lot of that, you know, like um You know, we, we try to put up a different piece every week. And so there's probably, you know, that we've done it. This is our third summer we'll be going into. So there's, there's probably a hundred pieces of inside our 2.0 summer off season, you know, behind the scenes mushers and to see what these dogs have done. And, and they're, most of them are timeless, you know, like Travis Beals with his dogs up on a glacier and like, it's beautiful stuff. And, you know, we've been with Brent out at his place and and Jesse Holmes running around in the tundra with his, you know, kennel of dogs. And so all of that stuff lives. and and Kristen, we should take a, a moment and just, you know, w- once again, hit on the fact that, um, you know, I don't own the insider and, uh, nobody's getting rich off of it. And it's part of the Iditarod, uh, economic foundation these days. And, All the money that comes in is very, very important to ensuring the future of the event. And so, you know, not only are you getting all of this great content and these documentaries that will live on for generations to come, but you're also helping ensure the future of a race that we all love. And so think about it like this. If you donate $20 or even if if it's just the video portion of it, I think it's 1995. I don't know the prices off the top of right. my head. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. So 19 yeah. uh 95 yeah. for the th- But
1: you're you're helping move a bale of straw down the trail for a dog team to lay on at one of the checkpoints. You know, your $20 is going to go for go towards paying for foot ointment for the dogs and making sure that the veterinarians are out there and and stuff so Your money is really, really important to the future of the race. It's something that the antis can't really influence and can't touch. So think about it like that, that you do get all of this great uh, content, but it's also an opportunity to band the community together so that we're unified and that we're moving this thing forward uh, with or without the support of everyone. So Um, It's important. And and I, you know, I thank everybody. I mean, that's really when the insider started that that's what the vision was, was to create an economic foundation or to help with that so that we could ensure that these sled dogs would continue to live out the mission that Joe Reddington started back in the early 1970s when he saw the sled dog disappearing from native communities across Alaska. He wanted to make sure that the dogs didn't disappear from those communities. And we're still on that same mission today. And without races like the Iditarod, um, it's still very vulnerable to that. So, uh, you know, that's, it's just one big mission and we're all part of the army and, and trying to move it forward. So, uh, whatever anybody can do is, is always appreciated.
0: Well, thank you, Greg. Yeah. So coming on the show. Um, we're all excited about the the new the new film filming you have coming up, and the documentary, of course. I haven't even seen it yet, so.
1: yeah, <laughs> but, you'll see it soon. Yeah, I hope.
0: Yeah, so I can't wait to see that. Um, is there any uh, other shout-outs you want to do? Do you have social media? I mean, can people just follow <laughs> B. Greg Heiser? <on>
1: social <laughs> well, media? yeah. On, so there's a few. So on Instagram, it's at Seasons on the Fly. And uh and that's my show on Discovery Channel and my my Lodge. And then Facebook, there's Seasons on the Fly, there's Greg Heister and there's Seasons on the Fly Lodge. And then I have Twitter too. I think it's it's at Seasons on the Fly. So that's the best way. Okay,
0: great. And then insider subscriptions, you can anyone can go to idera com yes. to look up our insider subscriptions. Um like we were talking there's several levels that you can go simple with the you know, 1995 you just get the GPS which is really cool we didn't really talk about that yeah. but um the vit, or just the video 1995 or you can get everything all of it uh and that's 3995 but you get like everything you get all the videos and the documentaries and the GPS tracking which is really cool we didn't really talk about it But during the race, you can follow all the mushers up the trail and know exactly where they're all at. Um, It's the coolest thing. Our fans that have it follow those mushers like (laughs) 24-7, literally will get phone calls if – uh, it looks like a musher has been sitting for too long and they think they might be in trouble. They are calling saying, how is this musher doing? Are they okay? Um, you know, <laughs> and, and it's a very interesting thing that happens because the, you know, the fans, our fans, you know, love the mushers and the dogs and uh, they really love your content, Greg. So it's, it's all really cool and so worth it And you get it for a whole year. You could just watch I did a rod 24 seven if you wanted to.
1: So true. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it's a lot of content. Like it's, it's a lot of content. So I know for a lot of people, 40 bucks might be a struggle, especially with the price of gasoline going up and stuff like that. But remember it's almost like a donation to a nonprofit and, uh, and you are helping out something that you love, and you do get something back in return, and and it's endless. I I don't know how many hundreds of hours of content that you get to watch, but it's, it's literally
0: so many. It's yeah,
1: it's literally that. For much. a
0: nice, you know, donation, and we appreciate yeah. all our fans and everybody yeah. who subscribes every year. Thank you. Uh yeah. We're we're gonna have our sub subscription for the year start again July first. Is yeah. that when our subscriptions uh start up again and they end on june 30th so you have to renew yearly and and july 1st is the day it starts so we'll be getting
1: that's when we're going to kick off our our new content
0: yeah Yeah. weekly and we'll let everybody know um when the new videos come up i imagine greg you'll be uh posting a little um snippet or yeah, or like whatever yeah. yeah
1: yeah
0: and that so that we we'll all look forward to that all right yeah. thank you greg for Thanks, coming on Kristen.